Hello and welcome back to our series on healing called Healing 101. This is our third episode and I just want to give you a quick recap of where we've been uh, up until this point. First of all, we started in episode one on the source of sickness. What is the source of sickness? And then in episode two, we spoke about God's will for healing. Can we actually know what God's will is for healing? I just to remind you that these are what I would like to call foundational beliefs or foundational keys to unlocking the ministry of healing in your life as a born-again Christian. It's not something that we stake our claim upon, but it's something that Jesus commanded us to do in the great, great commission that we go and heal the sick. It, is part of, it should be part of every Christian's makeup. So just to, to kind of uh, ease into it today again, I, I think it's, it's normal uh, at this point for people to say, well, I understand when you say uh, this is the source of sickness, that the enemy is the source of sickness uh, according to Scripture. I understand uh, what you've said about God's will, that we can know God's will through the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, spe- specifically and especially in the area of healing, we can. But then we often get to this statement that people make. And it is, I understand, I understand this, but what about the Old Testament? And then generally that refers to certain events happening in the Old Testament, specifically where we see God putting sickness on people. And I did mention before that I cannot deny that this is what happened. And I don't want to deny it. I never want to make the Old Testament obsolete. I never want to... Uh, make it at all seem as if the Old Testament has passed away, that it's not relevant to us today. Um, But I want to make it clear that we need to read it within the context where it lies, in in, in history and in our, uh, where where we are today as New Covenant Christians. But before I jump in in ahead, let me make this statement. So my, my, uh, most uh, succinct explanation to or answer to the question, well, what about all of these, these things that happen in the Old Testament? Generally would be, well, he's still the same God, but he made new rules. So from, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God never changes. He's always the same. The Bible tells us that, that he, he remains the same yesterday, today, and forever God will be the same. He never changes. But he can change his mind, which he does. He changed his mind because he changed the rules. Now, you can even quote an Old Testament scripture to me where it says, well, God God is not a man that he should lie or that he should change his mind. Well, we see instances where God actually does change his mind. Um, it's, it's, he doesn't change his mind about us. He doesn't change his mind about uh, his promises. But he, cha- he can change his mind about rules that he's made, uh, laws that he's put in place for certain time periods, for certain uh, generations, if I can put it that way. And again, we don't make this up because uh, it suits our needs. We find it in Scripture. We, we, we follow the thread through Scripture. So let me just explain a little bit because that might leave you a little bit offended if, if, if at all. Um, the, the difference here is that Jesus and the cross makes all the difference. So I'm going to explain in a moment the different laws that we see within Scripture and how they changed over time. But the, the pivotal point in history for us, uh, for new, believe, new, new covenant Christians, are the, are the life of Jesus, the, the birth 
the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's where, where things changed. Uh, even before uh, Jesus became the curse on the cross, as we read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, even when he became the curse for us in our stead, um, even before that we see Jesus ushering in a new set of rules by you know, laying hands on the sick when the law of the Old Testament was you do not touch anyone who is sick because you would become unclean. But Jesus shows us a different way. And then after his death and resurrection, he commissions us to live in this different way. So just to give some uh, backbone to those statements, I would refer to Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verse 7, where it says, For if that first covenant, which is referring to the law, obviously, had been faultless, no opportunity would have been sought for a second one. So again, it's just a, a clear statement that if the old covenant was sufficient, then there would be no reason for us to, for God to bring in a new one. So obviously, he had to bring in a new covenant. Um, that's part of his plan. And then in Philippians uh, 2, verse 6 to 8, I just want to read this. This is, this is God making a decision, choosing to change the rules for himself again, where it says, Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God. Well, let me start at verse 5, sorry. Make your, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So again, we can see that God, the mystery of God becoming Jesus Christ, man in the flesh, uh, God in the flesh, that is a mystery to us. But we can see that God made that decision to lay down his heavenly rule and come to live on earth as a, as a plain man. That's what he did. That's the decision he made. So it was by God's choosing that he, became, that he came to earth as Jesus. And it's by God's choosing that he changed the rules for us in the new covenant. So let me quickly explain kind of the progression of law from the beginning to where we are today. <laughs> it might sound like a big task, but I'm going to keep it simple. So before the law of Moses, which is kind of in the middle, the law of Moses given um, by God to Moses on the mountain, it was the Ten Commandments and everything that followed, there was a law called the law of sin and death. So before uh, the law was uh, put on the stone tablets, the law was, you sin, you die. Surely you shall die. If you sin, surely you shall die. And so there had to be a consequence for sin. And we know, according to James, chapter 3, I think, uh, it is clear that sin leads to death. When you sin, you will die. So that, still, that is still true in the New Testament. But there's some other matters we need to add to that when we get there. But in the Old Testament, before the law was given to Moses, you sin, you die. And Jesus, God, God is a righteous God. He had to impose justice. He had to be, remain righteous. So there, we read in the Old Testament where there was always opportunity for repentance. Uh, God showed mercy over and over again. But at that point where people would not repent or receive his mercy, there would be a consequence which would end up being death. Sometimes... It was sickness being put on someone because of the hardness of their heart. Uh, things would happen. God would put these things on them and, and, and it would be the end for them. Um, then we have the law of Moses. 
Now, the law of Moses comes in, and these are the commandments that God gives to govern people by. And when they sin, they have to make these sacrifices, and they would be forgiven. Or when they've been made unclean, they have to do these rituals to be made clean again. And there was a, an opportunity again. There was mercy shown again. There was, there was uh, uh, guidelines given by God for people to, to stay in relationship with him, to stay connected with him through these rituals. Then comes Jesus, who, who doesn't necessarily take away these laws, but he fulfills them in himself. And then in our faith in Jesus Christ, because he's fulfilled all these laws for our sake, he becomes that great sacrifice. Now we believe in Jesus, and when we believe in Jesus, we do not have to make offerings and sacrifices so that we can be forgiven. We put our faith in the blood of Jesus and we repent of our sin and we've been forgiven and we are under the blood and we are in Christ Jesus. And so because we as new covenant Christians, according to Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7, uh, which is a better covenant, we do not have to take the curses on our bodies or in our lives anymore because Jesus paid for it and our faith is in that price that he paid and we are covered by his blood. And so we are exempt from that happening to us if we stay in Christ Jesus. And then to say even, that's the short explanation of these laws, but even in the Old Testament we, we read, remember we're talking about healing, yeah, you know, we can take this very broadly, but I want to keep it focused on healing. We read in the Old Testament, as I've mentioned before, that even in Exodus 15, 26, God calls himself the healer. It's the self-revelation of God. It is who he is. It's not what he does. He is healer. That's part of his nature. He's not inflictor. Uh, and as I mentioned, Jesus then becomes that curse where he takes the, the punishment in his own body. So my question to you would be this. Even though what we read in the Old Testament remains true, it is the same God that we have in the New Testament. But we have this pivotal point of the cross where God changes the rules for us because we can believe in Jesus and live under that grace that he's paid for and we do not have to suffer the same way that those in the Old Testament did. My question to you would be, why would you choose to live under an old law, an old covenant that God clearly changed? Because it's clear in Scripture, God changed it. And so I often, I often are, I'm perplexed how, how people would want to debate and argue about these things that God did in the Old Testament as if he would still want to do that today um, because of one or two occurrences that, or events that's happened, maybe in their life or someone they know, which they do not have an explanation for. And the only thing they can grab onto is an Old Testament event, a Pharaoh bee with the plagues or, you know, these kinds of events that happen. And they want to make that the theology. Um, but that is something that has passed away. That is not in, in our um, uh, scope as New Testament Christians. Now with that, I have to say this. God obviously did bring judgment on those people in the Old Testament, and we cannot deny that. But every single time, that judgment was on unbelievers. It was on those who willfully denied God, who, who rejected His grace and mercy, who didn't want Him in their lives. And so that was the consequence of their sin. It was never on a God-fearing man, uh, a person who really loved God and followed God, and then this would just uh, randomly happen to them. That's not what we see. It was always on those who opposed God. 
and I know maybe at this point, and I probably shouldn't go down this road, but maybe just it's worth a, a mention. You know, the 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 um, person of Job comes up. The book of Job comes up. Well, Job was a God-fearing man. Yes, he was, and yes, he loved God. And there's a lot of things that happen in Job that that is attributed to God, according to the book of Job. But I have to say this: after careful study and many years of wrestling with Job as well. I realized, and, and it, it is clear from Scripture, that there is no revelation. Uh, Job happened close in, in terms of um, chronological, chronologically time-wise. The book of Job falls just after Genesis, just after the garden. He was one of the first you know, people around. Uh, it, was, it was in that time frame that Job lived. And so there was no revelation of a devil. There was no revelation of an evil uh, ruler. The, everything was attributed to God. So even when we read Job saying, he, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, after his whole family is, is killed, his livestock is destroyed, his, all his belongings are destroyed, he makes the statement, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But it's a false statement because we know when we read Job that it was the enemy that took it away. We know that it was Satan that went and destroyed his livestock, that um, killed his family, that put the, the diseases on him. We know that it was Satan. So why would we want to attribute that to God when it clearly, from Scripture, from Job, we know that it was Satan causing that? So just to remember that all the language from the Old Testament uh, doesn't always um, doesn't always get translated correctly, if I can put it that way, because there's bad theology that we read in Job, but the it was real words by real people. But we see from Job chapter 38, he gets corrected. They all get corrected by God. They were all wrong. So why do we uh, hold on to those scriptures as if they are true to us? They are not, because God clearly says these guys don't know what they are talking about. And God says, uh, it makes it clear in Job that the enemy did the stealing, the killing, and the destroying. Um, and just again, uh, just to stay on this point of why would we want to go live under old laws, um, Paul rebukes the, the Galatians because they've now experienced the freedom that comes with Jesus, with Christ, and being in Christ. And then suddenly they w it's almost like they're getting bored. They want to start to impose these new rules again, old rules they want to make new. Uh, for, for those who are not Jewish who want to become believers now, they also need to be circumcised. And Paul says, no, we, why would you go back to those laws when they were never really uh, the fulfillment in any way? Rather, stay in grace, stay under in faith in Jesus Christ and not in your own works and in fulfilling of old laws. Okay, so... I, I, I just needed to put that in there that we shouldn't be have misunderstandings from Old Testament language um, because of the clear the clear um, information we have reading the Bible we can see that there wasn't a revelation of Satan Job didn't know there was a devil uh, yet we know because we have the the book the the Bible to to show us that. Um, so again, uh, now we need to jump into the New Testament side of things. So I don't see in the New Testament God putting sickness on people, especially through Jesus, Jesus Christ. We don't see, remember we said last time, Jesus is the perfect will of God. Jesus is perfect theology. If you believe something about God and you can't find it in Jesus, then you have a reason to doubt or to question whether your belief is actually truth, truthful. 
So we don't see Jesus killing. We don't see Jesus bringing judgment on. We don't see Jesus, Jesus causing disease. In fact, we see all the opposites of those through his life. But I have to mention these, th these four exceptions. I've, I've said before I've never seen God do this in the New Testament, but I was wrong because I've seen four examples. I haven't found any more in the New Testament where we see similar things that we've read about in the Old Testament happen in the New Testament. But as a disclaimer, we do not create a theology on four examples. We do not build a theology for our unbelief or for that that we don't see or for that which we don't understand on one, two, three, or even four scriptures. The theologies are built around the full context of scripture, the reality of all of scripture brought to together being interpreted by scripture. And that gives us our peace in, in knowing that our beliefs are in line with all of um, the scriptures. So these four examples that I'm going to mention, I'm going to do it really quickly. Uh, they all come from the book of Acts. Now you can make your own deductions on that. I'm not going to try and explain why. I'm just going to mention them and I'm going to leave the statement with you that we don't build a theology around them. We don't ignore them. We cannot because they are in scripture. But I do not see any of these four things in the life and through the life of Jesus. I cannot explain why they happened. I can give you a reason why I think they happened, but I'm not going to, as, as I would rather want the Holy Spirit to, to bring that peace to you. So the first one is Ananias and Sapphira. We know that they lie to the Holy Spirit, they lie to Peter, but Peter says they lie to the Holy Spirit and they both are struck dead. Then in Acts chapter 9, we, we see Paul being made blind by God, by Jesus, well, by God, and he's been made blind, but he's healed again three days later. Okay, that's Paul's uh, soul to Paul encounter on the road to Damascus. Then Acts chapter 12, Herod, who basically ridicules and mocks Jesus, and he assumes to be God himself, he gets struck by the angel of the Lord with and infected with worms, and he dies. And then in Acts chapter 13, you see all of them follow pretty close on each other. Uh, again, Paul declares the sorcerer called Elymas, who follows him around, he declares him blind, and he goes blind, I think, for three days by the hand of God, it says, and he, but eventually he repents and he's healed of his blindness. So, again, I need to make mention of these, but we cannot make them a, a rule. Uh, we do not say, well, you know, th uh, that person... It's probably blind because it's a Saul to Paul encounter. Or that person is probably sick with worms because they thought they were God. No, we can't do that because we have one example of that happening in the New Testament. Um, so can God do that? Yes, he can. But did he change the rules for us in the new covenant? Absolutely. And Jesus displays the new law, the law of grace, the law of faith in Jesus Christ and his works for us perfectly. So generally, we don't see this happening, especially in the life of Jesus. And as I said, we don't create a theology. Uh, the, these are exceptions um, that we have to put our eye on. We have to give heed to it, but we don't give it too much fuel, for, for to, especially if it wants to fuel our unbelief. Be careful that examples that fuel your unbelief or fuel your uh, explanation of things that you didn't see happen, those things are always careful, uh, the things you need to be careful of. So I want to finish off with uh, just a couple of thoughts. Um, you know, we did see God in the Old Testament put sickness on those who willfully denied him um, and who opposed him. And they, these were always unbelievers. They weren't people who loved him. Um, and all of that, all of this happened before the cross. All of this happened before sickness was paid for. 
which is part of the curse. Remember, sickness was never mentioned as a blessing. And then God, even in the Old Testament, he was Jehovah Rapha, merciful and forgiving. But sin had a consequence. And so that consequence was taken care of by Jesus in that pivotal moment of the cross, which we, when we put our faith in Jesus, we do not expect these things to come upon us anymore because we are in Christ Jesus. We We are hidden in Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places. We have a new reality. And God wants to bless us uh, in, in terms of living a life that is, uh, that is abundant, that is healthy, uh, that is prosperous, um, that has the, the, the evidence of God in, in it. Um, he wants that for us. And he says to us, even in Deuteronomy, even again in the Old Testament, the Deuteronomy 30, you can go read it um, from verse 15 to 20. But you can read about this list of blessings and curses there But in, verse, uh, in chapter 28. But he says, today I put before you life and death, blessing and curse, you choose. So would you would you choose to live under an Old Testament set of rules that God has changed for you, but you choose to go live under the old law? Or would you choose the life, the blessing, that does not include sickness, that does not include the things that were taken care of in the, in the curse when Jesus died on the cross? So I want to put it to you that uh, this way today, as we end off. I know it might not be a complete... Uh, answer or might not give you all the peace that you would want uh, from from ex- uh, explaining the Old and the New Testament. But I really hope that it's given you some handles to to hold on to and to, to put into perspective that there is a change at the cross. There is a change at the appearance of Jesus. And we still see through Jesus's life, his willingness to heal, his heart for those who are sick, his, his showing of grace and mercy, even to the sinner. So may that be an encouragement to you. May your beliefs be settled as, as foundational keys for you to be able to move forward to expect healing to come uh, through your life as you pursue this um, in Christ Jesus. Bless you.